You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Welcome to the Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you here for another chat around STEM. And in this particular case, we're talking about STEM in the sea, STEM underwater, STEM on top of the water, as we hang up with Anna Gregory and Matt Sloan from the Australian National Maritime Museum. We are talking about marine oceanography. We are talking about marine archaeology, all things sea science, and importantly, how you can get your students involved with the Australian National Maritime Museum. They've got a Women in STEM program coming up, amongst many, many other programs, including and this is kind of cool, a program involving Lego underwater. Seriously. <laughs> hey, why not? It's an awesome thing to check out. So, look, uh, let's get right into it. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. Thanks very much. It's lovely to speak with you. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be with you, Ben. And the year kicks off. <laughs> it does. It does. Yes, so, it's so, running already. <laughs> yeah. So as we chat, it's uh, the start of 2023. Uh, schools, I literally just dropped my kid off at school this morning. And uh, there's, that, there's that buzz at the start of the year. But in our world, in outreach land, in museum land, in doing all the enrichment programs that we do, this is really a busy time as we get ready for the year, hey? Absolutely. We're just starting to, to kick off uh, programs for the year and we've um, got new exhibitions starting as well. So it's all happening here. Oh, what new exhibitions have you got coming? So we have a new exhibition at the Maritime Museum called Brick Rex, uh, which is a combination of maritime archaeology and Lego. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, the archaeology component's always been interesting from a high school uh, science point of view. I mean looking at uh, reduction oxidation reactions, what happens when a metal thing sits in seawater for a while. But with Lego, that's kind of fun. Yes, um, it's an awesome exhibition. It combines kind of Lego models. Um, and you can really zoom in and go up and look at the little figures. And it's, it's like bringing, the, bringing that kind of event to life before the ship actually sank, I guess. Uh, there's also some real artifacts collected from different shipwrecks like Pandora, and so it's, it's kind of a great combination for, I went there with my boys. It's just a great combination of activities for parents and kids because the kids get to go to the Lego tables and build like a, a lifeboat for the Titanic. And then the adults can kind of absorb that, you know, that more detailed information as well. So it's, yeah, fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Now, the curiosity got the better of me straight away. I, I did actually ask what you guys get up to, Arne. And Matt is like, oh, oh, I want to know straight away. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. But uh this is really cool. So, okay, right. So, uh, Anna, what do you get up to? What is your role? What do you What do you do? So, my role at the Maritime Museum is lifelong learning, uh, which is kind of adult education programs. Uh, so, it encompasses all sorts of things. So, uh, we do training programs for staff and volunteers from regional maritime museums, uh, right through to public talks and events for teachers, uh, and also programs for people with dementia. So, it kind of you cover a lot of ranges with lifelong learning. Oh, for sure. And programs with dementia, that's interesting. What do you do? So it's a, a new program that we've started and it has a couple of components. Uh, one is a hands-on reminiscence session where people with dementia and their carers 
can come along and touch and hold objects from the education collection and people can share their own stories uh, and memories, recollections, reflections. And it's a really beautiful environment where people can share stories. Sometimes they might go a little bit off track, but it's a very safe and welcoming space for everyone. Um, there's the opportunity for the group to have morning tea together, uh, which has been a great way to, you can see some friendships starting up there. And there's also a tour uh, through the museum as well. Oh, fantastic. And by the nature, they've, um, they've lived a long and fulfilling life. So you might get some really interesting stories just come out of left field. <laughs> Absolutely. You hear some amazing stories. We've heard stories of people being surf lifesavers at Bondi Beach, um, people, you know, going on cruises for, for two weeks when they were young and taking a different outfit for every night of the cruise um, and just really beautiful and inspiring stories. Oh, that's awesome. So, so Matt, what do you get up to? So up until now, I've been the education program manager at the Maritime Museum and just taken on a new role as the acting head of education, um, but mainly kind of managing our, I guess, our education experiences for schools at the museum. So we have a range of workshops and tours that we run for primary school and high school students. Yeah. So kind of managing that with our team of museum educators, coming up with new resources and programs for new exhibitions. For example, we've got a new one called Shaped by the Sea, which looks at Australia's connection with the ocean. Well, not just people, going deep back in time. So deep time, looking at the geological formation of the oceans and how First Nations peoples have connected with the oceans for thousands of years. And then looking at you know European or Western methods of interacting with the oceans as well. So it's an exhibition that offers different perspectives on the ocean. So that's one of our new ones we're developing programs around but yeah we've got tours on our vessels we're famous for um replica vessels such as the Dyfken and HMB Endeavour so James Cook's um vessel that he explored the world in and we've got some military vessels as well so there's lots of really um great experience for, for kids they kind of go into those vessels and almost go into another world it's a, it's a great immersive experience and we combine that with different workshops and tours as well and there was no pun in immersive whatsoever, was there? Uh, <laughs> but this is this is truly cool. I mean, I kind of wonder about the public and students as they walk in the door. Uh, I mean, what are the sort of misconceptions that um, they think about when they think, oh, I'm going to a sea museum? Do they just think it's going to be a bunch of boats? Like, do you, I'm just curious about what, what they sort of think. I think that's a great question. I think, I think out there people think the Maritime Museum still is just a, a museum about vessels, and it definitely is. You know, our connection with the waterways has been shaped through the use of vessels going back 60,000 years ago up until the present. Um, but the Maritime Museum is now kind of shifting into the ocean science mm -hmm. world. So if you come to the museum, you will also hear about um, so climate change, how we're measuring the oceans, what types of equipment we're using. And we're very famous for maritime archaeologists. I'm sorry, maritime archaeology, one of the leaders in the world. Um, our team worked with a team in the US and just discovered the final resting place of Endeavour over in the US. So it's definitely a place of science, different types of sciences in addition to history. And one of our key focus areas as well as migration. So obviously people have come on boats to Australia over hundreds of years. So looking at how migration has shaped Australia as well. So it's a very multifaceted museum, not just about vessels. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, especially these days, everyone loves to talk about STEM careers and for good reason. I mean, career pathways are an important thing. And I think about when I, I mean, our, our job, we go out to schools, many, many, many schools, and uh, a lot of them will think about land-based things. And uh, and yet we are, we are good, I see, we very much are. And we have massive naval architecture opportunity. I mean, the sheer amount of things, not just on the military side, it's all sorts of things that can be built, created, discovered. And I mean, I don't know, I even just think about, I watched this, um, uh, one of these Netflix things earlier on this year, late last year, about when we finally won the America's Cup in the early 80s and the architecture and the design and the sheer mathematics required to better pull that thing off. There's a lot of different ways you can go when it comes to naval stuff through to oceanography. I mean, I'm thinking about what's, what happens at Woods Hole and other places like that. It's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, museums are, I guess, traditionally thought of as sort of history and art institutions, mm. but actually there's a lot of maths and science that goes into what we do in terms of um, the content we have in museums, but also in terms of the work behind the scenes, um, you know, in the conservation department at the museum, they are caring for all of the objects we have at the museum. And there's a big diversity in terms of the objects that we have. There are paper-based objects, which you would look after completely differently to how you look after, you know, a metal ship, a naval vessel, for instance. Um, and that's all chemistry and science that goes into how the conservators look after all of these objects, right down to, you know, putting an exhibition on and a designer needs to use a lot of maths to work out how to lay out the exhibition space. So there's maths and science kind of um, imbued in all aspects of the museum. I kind of wonder, like, I mean, there's been people uh, listening going, I'd love to work in museums and perhaps be a curator, perhaps. I mean, there's a lot of decisions. I mean, what uh, what passes as, hey, we really need to show said object, or maybe this one isn't quite what the public needs. It must be a hard decision when you think about what the curators have to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a really uh, long and, and detailed mm -hmm. process for mm -hmm. For the curatorial and exhibitions team to to put an exhibition on um, and it's kind of a a process that involves lots of stakeholders and lots of community um, so you know an exhibition for instance with um, you know a first nations exhibition involves a lot of um, work with different community locally and sort of throughout the country as well Oh, for sure. I mean, okay, this is audio based. And I was just sort of thinking um, just behind your shoulder, there is a sailboat. And um, I actually remember coming into the museum and watching this um, very simple installation. It was really cool, whereby kids simply had to make this trolley with a sail move. It's all it was. That's all it is. And it does sound easy, especially if you know, just put, put the fan behind it. It'll be fine. Okay, fine. Right. Tack it then. Make it go against the wind. Yeah. And that's quite extraordinary when you think about the physics behind it. and watching seven-year-olds try and sort this thing out. <laughs> this is amazing as a, as a bystander. I think I was just still thinking of the um, America's Cup, Ben, because it's still in my, burned into my memory. I think I must have been four years old and mum and dad dragged us out of the bed to watch. So I can still see the smoke coming out yes. of the gun as the, it went past the finish line. So it was a big thing back then. And it's, yeah, it's funny. Well, the wind keel was amazing and it is effectively an upside down well, it was as a wing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. And the, um, I do like the secrecy in, in you know, how it was all you know, kept under wraps and for good reason. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just on the, I guess, the physics of, of boats. Um, 
Yeah, I was just thinking with the, there's a wooden boat festival happening in Tasmania um, in about a week or so. And one of our vessels has just sailed down there. It's called the Dyfken, means little dove in English. And it's a, it's a replica of a Dutch tall ship from the 1600s. But they're old school. They're sailing down. It does have a motor on it, but they're using the wind. So it's, it's just quite remarkable. I've been on these, this vessel and it's very young. <laughs> I wouldn't be travelling down to Tasmania on it. So it's a lot of skill. You know, it's, it's kind of old-fashioned science, you know, looking around, you're observing, knowing what the wind and the currents are doing using modern technology, you know, the Bureau of Meteorology weather forecasts and modern GPS tracking now helps them find their way, but it's, you're still out there in the elements. So it's still a very dangerous thing to be doing, but it is helped by, as you say, science and, and technology. And just the simple thing of getting a boat to float, we take yes. it for granted, they're heavy things. So how do they float on the water? And we, we often do that activity, a little buoyancy one. So get this, get a ball of plasticine and make it float. See how many marbles you can put in it and still get it to float. Oh, totally. I mean, the, the usual misconception is, oh, it's heavy. I'm going, well, I, I challenge you, there's a 100,000 tonne boat in Circular Quay right now. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it, it, even just thinking about from a, a classic demonstration point of view is getting a kid to um, float a mandarin and then take the skin off and then it doesn't float. Something as simple as that. And it's like, yeah, there's something to do with displacement. Um, I was actually thinking, as you said, modern technology. Uh, October last year, I was able to go visit um, Southern Florida uh, in Biscayne Bay National Park. Uh, we were able to work with um, the National Park team there. And we asked them, what is your biggest issue of, the, of this park? And they said, honestly, it's marine debris. It's, it's, it's rubbish. And you think about um, modern technology. I mean, a lot of people will think about, oh, we've got to use satellites. We'll use all the fancy stuff. And that's true that we have the capacity to do that. It feels removed from a high school student or a primary student. I can't fix said bay, but uh, we work with them around an idea. Well, what if we could create a simplistic uh, little sensor system out of a Raspberry Pi where it could track the currents and take photos on the hour and whatever it is? Because uh, their actual issue was uh, the volunteers we send them to the wrong spot. We only get a, you know, a day, a month or whatever it is to clean up the, the place. And the bay is big. If we send them to the wrong spot, we don't clean up the stuff and the stuff then just builds up. And so the reason so going on this little tangent is you know, oceanography, currents and all that sort of thing. Uh, people can help with the right partners and they can make a difference uh, and use technology, which actually isn't that expensive. Um, you don't need the drones and the satellites. Though certainly it's kind of helpful if you can do it. It's, um, I'm just curious. So as you said, technology, I mean, so what sort of sort of STEM programs that you do with it, with the students, especially as the ones as you look towards this year coming up? Yeah, so um, we've got a range of programs covering history and science, mainly at the Maritime Museum. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of kind of STEM-based ones, we've just launched some new primary school programs looking at kind of touching on ocean debris, actually. One of them is called Solutions to Ocean Pollution, and that's done in collaboration with the CBIN project. Um, they've yes, I know that, guys. New technology, basically bins in you know, wharf areas, marinas. They just sit there and bob up and down and change the surface tension in the water and plastic falls in and they collect it. And they've actually got their lab here on site, the Ocean Health Lab, where they sort through the plastic and get a better understanding of what plastic is in the ocean, where it's coming from. And using that data, that will kind of inform management decisions around 
plastic waste in the future. That's their long-term goal. And locally, it kind of cleans up um, the harbour as well. So that's one, so yeah. solutions to ocean pollution. And the other one is um, underwater micro-beasts. So we've got some digital microscopes where students can go out to the, the harbour just at the front doorstep here, use a plankton net to collect plankton and get a feeling of the diversity of life in the ocean that we're um, dependent on. So they're uh, ones for primary school kids. Oh, they're good fun. I mean, I, I was lucky enough uh, last year to be invited, be involved in co-creating the Volvo Ocean Lovers Festival, um, which is a lot of fun. And uh, gosh, I mean, with COVID, we, we finally got it on <laughs> the third time trying. And I know you guys are going to be involved in that again. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can help the public get involved in sea science. Yeah, it's, it's neat. I'm actually thinking, uh, I, I think this year, I hope I haven't got this wrong, but I believe so. He, the someone got a order of Australia who was doing the um the rip mapping. They would put the fluorescein dye into the into the waves and watch where the beaches where where all the currents go. It's, it's all these different ways, all these different ways of oceans really do impact our lives. Yeah, and it's not just about the technology. It's just empowering all of us to take action with our solutions to ocean pollution. They learn about how to properly dispose of waste. And the best thing to stop plastics getting into the ocean is not to use it. Um, and it's really hard. I mean, plastic is useful stuff, but, you know, getting kids to think, or everyone to think, do we really need to use that plastic bottle? Do I need a plastic toothbrush? So small behavioural changes can make a difference if we're all, you know, doing that each day. Oh, totally. Now, Matt, I'm just curious, you've got a PhD in genetics. <laughs> How did you end up in this? Um, yeah, I was, yes, I was a geneticist for about 15 years working on, a range of um, topics, um, animal conservation, and um, work with families who have, um, unfortunately, bowel cancer. They get that, at, can, some people can get that at a very young age, and that's caused by mutations they inherit um, from their grandparents and parents. And so, yeah, identifying where those mutations were and how they caused the disease. Um, so very fulfilling and satisfying job. And then I love teaching. So I was supervising students in the lab and, ah, maybe I can do another degree so I did a teaching degree and I discovered education teams within museums and so I got my first job at the Australian Museum and then I got a, my position at the Maritime Museum so I guess science education is my thing so I can apply that here at the Maritime Museum as well. 100% Anna you've, you've trained as a French teacher and geography teacher now you're at a Maritime Museum. Yes probably <laughs> not the, the logical career path <laughs> Um, so yes, I trained as a teacher, but also worked in museums. And so kind of like Matt, it was really just um, the education sphere that I liked. Um, and so then this job at the Maritime Museum came up after sort of having worked in uh, Sydney, but also regional New South Wales. And so I started here um, about eight or nine months ago. Well, the um, the ge geography aspect would be interesting. I mean, the sociological impacts of our oceans have impacted our lives over time, as well as the straight up ge geographical side of things as well, the, the classic landscapes thing. It actually was got, got me thinking, I mean, it is a sea museum. How far up the airstrip before you stop? <laughs> okay. when, 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 do, when do we say, actually, you know what, we, we need a different museum to work with fresh water. How far up you, would you go again? You know what, we, we can't go any further. <laughs> Well, we we call ourselves um, the Museum of the Sea, but we we like to consider ourselves sort of um, all waterways, freshwater, saltwater, 
um, inland lakes, rivers. So we like to, the oceans, we like to cover cover all of it. We'll swim in any water, Ben. We'll swim in any water. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I mean, so I imagine if you had a bunch of uh, um, teachers wanting to really help kids understand that this is a field to get involved in, that it's not just history, that it's not just boats, there's all sorts of things. What would be some advice that you give to the teachers to help you know, imbue a bit of you know, inspiration to the kids? Mm. I think for me being a scientist from a young age, I think it's just um, just in everyday life, taking the time out to look at the things around you and being inspired or in awe in those everyday things. You know, we walk to work and we might not take notice of the trees or, you know, we we're talking about boats earlier. We don't really think about why they float. So just getting kids to slow down, take notice of things, get them to observe and question them. And I think that's really important. I've got young boys at home and I'm constantly looking through the garden and we might find a praying mantis and we talk about, you know, why is it on that leaf and so on. So, yeah, just taking notice of things. Um, it's pretty simple advice. I don't know if it's going to change the world, but that's kind of my philosophy on life <laughs> I think also specifically for for ocean science um, if you think about sort of ocean health is also our health it's um, the two are so closely interconnected and related that um, for for teachers I think it's just a really useful and practical kind of concept to to share with kids that what happens in the oceans and how healthy the oceans are also impacts how healthy we are as people, but also as a nation, how healthy we are. This is good advice. And then it doesn't have to be over the top either. It's quite simple. We're connected to the ocean, look after it and observe it. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. So right. So how do people find out more, get involved, all that sort of thing? Where would they need to go? Well, one uh, event that we have coming up at the museum is a Women in STEM event. Um, so this is an event for high school girls in years 9 to 11. Um, and it really encourages high school girls to consider a career in STEM and introduces them to the array of opportunities that there are available now in STEM. Um, and at the museum, we will have a range of activities going on on this particular day. One of these things is um, some hands-on science, ocean science activities for students. Um, there's a careers expo as well for, for girls to learn about what careers there are in STEM, but also the next steps in terms of how to get there. Um, and we have some amazing, inspiring female speakers coming along on the day as well. Um, some ocean science speakers, but we have a range of STEM um, areas represented. So paleontology, maritime archaeology, optometry, sort of the, the full range we're trying to include in the day. Um, and as we were talking about earlier, we've also got um, some behind the scenes tours at the museum. So people can learn about the, the science and maths components of the museum that you don't necessarily see when you visit. Oh, that'd be fantastic. So. Um... I suspect that we just type in Australian National Maritime Museum or Sea Museum and education, I guess. Yeah, click on learn at the top of the page from memory and you'll go in and see primary school programs, high school programs. So if you wanted more information about women in STEM, you'd find it in the 
secondary or high school um, section of our webpage. Oh, seriously, it's a really good event. We've been involved with that for several years now. Um, it's always nice to sort of see the high school. I don't get to go as much. I usually caught it with other bits, but I know the team when they go, they have a, a really good time. And the kids really enjoy it. You guys put on a great event. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> good to be back. Last year, because of COVID, it was virtual. And yeah, there's nothing like getting together. We're social beings and being able to touch things and talk to people working in professions is, um, well, online is great. But, you know, seeing people face to face is um, a great experience for students. 100%. No, I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you very much, Anna and Matt, for uh, joining me. And I uh, hope you enjoy uh, the preparations for this upcoming event. Thanks very much. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. There we go. We just hung out with Anna Gregory and Matt Sloan from the Australian National Maritime Museum. And if you want to know more, head on over to the Sea Museum's website. So all you got to do is type in sea.museum. And in there, you'll find a heap of information. Click on the Learn link at the top of the page. You can find out how you can get involved. So I hope you enjoyed this particular chat. I certainly did. This is uh, me, Ben Newsom from Physics Education. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. And as usual, we'll be talking STEM another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au